0: It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the storied tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara
1: week four of this week in the Big East for 2019. Our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players and stories from the schools comprising the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Providence Journal beat writer, Basketball Times contributor and author Kevin McNamara. Kevin, not much has changed over the course of the past week. As you well know, Villanova and Marquette continue to rise above the mayhem. They set the pace at the top of the league standings and while the rest of the league continues to pound on the backsides, I guess, of their brethren, uh, two teams could be emerging from the middle one game separated third from 10th at the beginning of the week your thoughts there
2: well i'm a little concerned john in all honesty i'm, I'm not quite sure who in the bottom eight uh, or the crux of the league has started to separate themselves pretty much no one has everyone's kind of running in place i thought st john's w- would have an uh, opportunity there but uh, you know they stepped back a little bit over the weekend Uh, Seton Hall, to their credit, uh, stopped a losing streak with a close win uh, against Providence. But it's time to, again, it's time to pile up wins, and those teams are not doing it.
1: Yeah, they uh, are stutter-stepping, I guess, if you will. Villanova and Marquette, however, continue at the top, as we said, uh, with experience on the floor, talented stars to rely upon, and, of course, uh, one team undefeated, Marquette just with just one loss already, which is sort of defying our original expectations. St. John's, however, has had some experience and a couple of standouts leading the way with up-and-down results, as you just mentioned. In the face of a difficult stretch in their schedule, the Red Storm
2: could be responding. Well, they could be. Uh, A a big win at Creighton with the Pons back with 26 big points. Uh, I was surprised that they didn't defend their home court against against Georgetown uh, beforehand. Good opportunity to get things going. And then, you know, they turn around, they go outside. It seems as if they do their annual outside Big East game in early February, they have to go down to Duke obviously a great opportunity but also a very scary game for chris mullen's team no doubt about that all right
1: in the headlines this week despite some frigid temperatures throughout the midwest to the northeast well there's nothing cold at the top in the big east villanova is now on a nine game winning streak heading into the weekend after winning at DePaul this week giving the wildcats a perfect record for the month of january at 17 and four overall Marquette's Golden Eagles have risen from 10th in the AP poll and to 9th in the USA Today Coaches' Top 25 this week, continuing their highest ranking in six seasons after winning 76-58 at Butler. It's now eight straight wins for the Golden Eagles after their first win at Butler in 19 seasons. The Big East currently places seven teams within the top 72 of the net ranking system with all 10 teams in the top 112 out of 353 Division I programs. So, Kevin, here is a question for you. Any idea yet on where the cutoff number might be when it comes to postseason consideration with the the automatic bids that are all going to come in from the mid and the low major leagues? It's clear to see there will be several teams perhaps
2: ranked outside of the net top 100 who will be reaching March Madness. Well, but I don't know if they'll be able to reach it uh, by an at-large berth. I still think that the rough number... Of the old RPI, you know, in in the, you know, 60s. Once you get beyond 60, 65, you really got to have something strange on your resume that's going to stand out and grab the committee. So uh, the the teams that are scrambling to be in that top 60, top 65, I think that's where you want to end up at the end of the. uh, at, you know, at the end of the conference tournaments. Don't forget, well, if you have your questions on your favorite team or any other team
1: within the Big East, we will get you some answers. Send them to us to use here on the show. Hit us up on Twitter with the hashtag TWITBE. Thanks to our Westwood One stations for tuning in this week, and if you're catching us on Sirius XM, we welcome you aboard. If you're on your commute, headed home, headed to the office, wherever it may be, if you're working out of the gym, well, Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And don't forget to leave us a review. We will hit the coaching ranks, talk with one Biggie star who took a different path into Division One, and we'll get a state of the league through the first month of conference play. Leading off, we've got a coach never short on personality or coaching skills. He has a young team trying to find an identity, and he's also been asked to lead the Big East on the international front, representing Team USA this summer in Peru at the Pan American Games. What will that process be like, and what will his own team be like over the next month? Providence's Ed Cooley joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the
0: Big East Spotlight. The Providence College experience, rooted in academic excellence, shared values, and an uncommon sense of community, is both unique and exceptional. A premier Catholic liberal arts college, PC has 3,900 undergraduate
2: students, a dynamic, engaged community, and a great location just minutes from downtown Providence. With pride in its heritage, Providence College looks forward to a bright
0: future. Learn more at providence.edu.
1: Big East Spotlight. Back out to Diallo, fires a three, and he got it to (laughs) go. Wow, that was a challenge
3: three. Alpha doesn't make those very often when a challenge one, but he knocks that one down there. He's playing good basketball right now.
1: Providence's Friars have a bonafide Big East star and 6'7 forward, Alpha Diallo, as he continues to lead his team in scoring, assists, and steals, plus he also leads the Big East in rebounding. What the Friars don't have at the present is a consistent threat elsewhere on the floor, even with some very talented younger players trying to find that consistency needed for the team to win. Well, we spoke with Ed Cooley midweek about the challenge he'll face this this summer when he leads the Big East into representing the United States at the Pan American Games and the challenge he has on his hands right now in a balanced big middle within the Big East Conference. Coach the way that um, the Big East has kind of unfolded at this stage of the game we're right at about the halfway point of the conference season and yet two teams seem to have emerged everybody else is kind of in a pack together you kind of feel like this is a little bit uncharted territory and how are you kind of trying to decipher how to navigate the landscape?
4: Well, it is uncharted waters for the Big East because normally you have six, seven teams vying for a bid with two or three of them that are kind of elite national teams. Uh, I do feel Marquette is, is really made a big jump. Villanova continues to be the more consistent team in our league. And then the rest of us, which lost a lot, um, are jumbled in there. So what I try to tell my team is do a really good job of staying in the moment. I know we lost three in a row. You got to be able to withstand that bounce back of which we're trying to now and keep them positive keep them connected moving in a positive direction. We almost had a point where maybe you thought your team might
1: get buried a little bit if you didn't you know kind of push out of the uh, the the troubles that you had at least at the early part of the conference schedule and how do you handle that?
4: Well, I think you have to have real conversations with your players you have to try to strate- strategically strategically come up with. Some different things to get your team going, whether you're pressing, whether you're trapping, staying aggressive. You've got to make sure that you constantly challenge them and tell them that they're better, we're improving, mm-hmm. don't get down, and let's take one game at a time. Really, I know that sounds like a coaching cliche, but th- in the end of the day, that's the only thing you can do. Sure. All right, so you have
1: two players unique, I think, not only to your team, but to the rest of the conference. You've got Alpha Diallo, who's the only player in the league that leads his own team in scoring, rebounding, assists, steals. I mean, Alpha's kind of doing it all. He's been sort of your, 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 your backbone almost. But at the same time, you're also getting back now one of the more exciting young players in the league and A.J. Reeves. So
4: is there a tendency to lean one way or the other, and how do you reincorporate everything? Well, that's been a challenge, you know, because we also are on a, a minute restriction with AJ. You know, as his foot is trying to get more healthy, um, that's going to be touch and go until another two weeks probably. With respect to Alpha, he is the jack-of-all-trades glue guy. He's able to do so much in a lot of different ways. I think Alpha's greatest asset, he knows how to impact the game in a lot of different ways statistically, and he's going to continue to be that. We have to get... Malik White to step up and shoot the ball better, Isaiah Jackson to shoot the ball better. We do have Drew Edwards in the rotation and he has played great. You know, um, we're trying to implement uh, Chris Monroe to try to get him on the floor a little bit. So right now, a lot of it is being done by committee which in the past we haven't done. But, you know, sometimes you are got to change your coaching style in order to maximize your group.
1: Just going to ask you, are you asking Alpha to do things that maybe he's not yet equipped to do, or is he equipped to do it? He just needs to get the reps, so to speak.
4: I think he needs to get the reps. I think it's really important uh, for him to know that we trust him, that we believe in him. Uh, I don't think there's things he can't do. Uh, it's just he just has to grow into it. You know, there's a lot of things he does well, what does he do great? I think what he's great at is um, he's able to do a lot.
1: How do you like the way this season has unfolded? Are you surprised at all that Marquette and Villanova have kind of risen to the top? And where do you feel like Providence can
4: figure into this mess? Well, I thought Marquette would be good just because they're older. Um, all those guys have been in games. I mean, in the next two weeks, it'll shake out a little bit more. Um, there'll be some upsets. Uh you know, it's, it's a game at a time. I, 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 I can't see it. Uh, but the league is tough. I think when we finally get to New York in March there'll be a lot of surprises. I think there's going to be a lot of surprises once we get into March. I like the look in your face when you say surprises. That's a good one. Uh, Yeah, and I'm hoping that the Friars are the biggest surprise there. (laughs) Of course you do. I I wanted
1: to take a minute though and I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about something that's uh, going to come up later this summer. Huge honor for the Big East and being able to put together an all-star team to represent the United States in which you will be the head coach of. How did that process all begin?
4: Well, Val Val and Stu Jackson called and you know asked if I would be interested in, you know in uh, being the coach uh, three four months ago, and I told them yeah I, I would be, uh, and that was part of the process of t- to get the bid for the Big East. Uh, Jay Wright is the assistant on the national team. Uh, there, I guess there was a process in order to at least get the bid, and you had to have some USA Basketball experience, of which I have um, with some of the other teams. So I'm excited about it. Uh, it's going to be a lot of work. Um, there's some changes that are being made with the date. I think the dates are going to change. Uh, and it'll be at Providence, our training camp, and then we'll head to Peru. So uh, very exciting time, very stressful time, but at the same, op- same time, I'm... Uh, I'm honored about the uh, opportunity to represent our country.
1: How will you put this All-Star team together? In other words, will you consult with the other league coaches? Will you have a tryout process? Will you go on recommendations? Are you going to try to, uh, you know, maybe stack the roster in order to compete with the teams in these Pan Am games? How how will you build the roster?
4: Well, there's going to be a selection committee, and you know, it'll start. The Big East office will be part of that. Coaches will be part of that. Uh, you know, and again, that's an ongoing thing. That is definitely an ongoing thing. So. Um, everybody will have their hands in on it, the coaches, uh, our league commissioners, um, and then we'll try to get the best players. Because understand, we are amateurs over there, and all the other countries are pros. So that is what the Pan Am experience is about. And hopefully uh, hopefully, we get over there and compete.
1: Is there any pressure at all to win just because you're USA and you'll have the red, white, and blue on your on your backside, so to speak? There's a lot of
4: pressure. And, uh, you know, I, I never felt more pressure in my life than when we were over in Greece to play for the 19-and-under World Championships when we defeated Croatia in overtime. So I'd be lying to you if I said there wasn't any pressure. There's a lot of pressure when you represent the United States, being that it's the best country in the world. Coach, one question I wanted to always ask you
1: that I've never really had the chance to ask you, and you and I, of course, get a chance to work together just about every day during the season, but what do you like most about coaching college basketball?
4: I think it's a fair question. Number one is exciting. But the biggest thing I get out of coaching Um, is being able to see these 18-year-olds become 21- or 22-year-olds, seeing them graduate, move on in life, um, come back, they have children, uh, they come to camp. You know, I'm starting, next year will be year 26 in coaching. Uh, So I've had an opportunity to see a lot of young men get opportunity, see a lot of young men graduate, see a lot of young men's lives change because of the academic process, not so much the basketball ability that they had.
1: 26 for you? Dang, that makes me old. You're getting up there, I'm getting up there. <laughs> All right, and then the final question then is, is, what do you like least about it? What do you feel like you could do to help improve some of the shortcomings that you see in the game today?
4: Well, the biggest thing about that is the time commitment, and I hate being away from my family as much as I am. That's the biggest thing. you know. I don't know what you can do to change that, but you know, you're know, you really an absentee dad, an absentee husband until the end of the season. If there's something that we can do to change that, that will be the only thing I would want to change.
1: Providence head coach, Ed Cooley. Who's hot? Well, despite the temperatures outside in the past week, it's not hard to look around and find a hot hand inside. Yeah, as long as it's indoors, of course. The hot hands and some of those big plays are coming up next, this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East.
0: Xavier University. It's a place where learning extends beyond the classroom. Where students learn more by doing more and discover new truths about their world and themselves. Where passion meets purpose. Where students blend mission and meaning and live lives that truly matter. That's the Xavier way. Learn more about what a Xavier education can do for you at xavier.edu. Who's hot? Goes to the rim, blocked by Gill! Saved at the end line by Towel! Oh, a Providence, body. Time runs out! Romero Gill with a game-winning block, and Seton Hall wins it!
1: Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. How about some big names leading their teams with big nights this week? Marcus Howard scored 32 for Marquette as the Golden Eagles won at Butler for the first time in nearly two full decades. Miles Powell would not be denied as he scored 31 more in Seton Hall's 65-63 nail-biter over Providence on Wednesday, snapping a four-game losing skid. And St. John's Shamari Pons, he hit for 28, also had eight rebounds, eight assists, and six steals in the Red Storm win at Creighton after losing four out of five.
2: So, Kevin, big players with some big-time performances this week john we've talked about the load that those three guards are for opposing coaches opposing teams two things i'm really happy to see shamari ponds back healthy and explosive uh, i think saint john's is an ncaa tournament team but they need to find that consistency and, and when you can rely on someone like shamari they can get it done and boy what a performance by miles powell against providence just uh, you know a week or so ago He struggled uh, against the Friars. He saw an array of defenders in a loss at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, but uh, 12 field goals, 12 of 23. I believe he had 14 second-half points to finish with 31 and just enough for uh, Seton Hall to bounce back and and, and edge the Friars. As for the Big East Player of the Week, well, we spoke to him just last week here on the program,
1: so maybe, I don't know, Kev, maybe we'll be good luck charm for some players to make an appearance on the show. Uh, Creighton's Tyshawn Alexander took the honor, doing his best to try to uh, lead the Blue Jays out of that muddied-up middle. He averaged 22.5 points, 5.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists in what was a perfect week before a loss to St. John's. You know, Alexander only averaged 5.5 points per game a year ago as a freshman. He is growing up right before
2: our eyes, Kevin. Well, and he has the uh, the twit beat, uh touch, the golden touch. Yeah. We blessed him, and he, and he, he came through for us. Uh, he, he's been very consistent, John. Uh, clearly, he's, he was probably ready to do more last year, but Creighton had Marcus Foster and a few other guys who, who were just ahead of him. But, boy, he, he's right from the opening get, he's had a very strong offensive season, and I like, I like the way he has an all-around game as well. Uh, little rebounding, good passer. Uh, he, he's a real weapon for uh, Coach
1: McDermott on the Big East uh, honor roll this week. Well, before we do that, let's do the freshman of the week. Here's a name I know you'll remember, Joey Hauser. 17.5 uh, points, 5.5 rebounds, and a perfect week for the Golden Eagles. 8 of 12 from three-point range uh, in a 87-82 win at Xavier. He had a collegiate-high 21 points, including 5 of 6 from the yarn and the arc. So uh, Joey's turning into every bit the dead-eye shooter
2: that Big Brother Sam is at Marquette. You know, it's not too early to project who may be the East freshman of the year because i I do think joey's probably the leader right now uh james akinjo from georgetown is uh, probably in that mix as well Uh, hauser top 10 team consistent player he's really obviously plays so well with his brother and marcus howard uh, he's just having an outstanding freshman season. All right, let's touch on
1: that honor roll. Jesse Govan from Georgetown, 21 points, 10.5 rebounds in a 1-1 one one week for the Hoyas. Marcus Howard, uh, you know, we'll mention him probably all day. He might get player of the week every week, but, you know, we got to spread the wealth around a little bit. But Howard did average 27 points and 6.5 and assists in a perfect week for Marquette. Now, here's a guy, Marcus Howard, who is a scorer we know. But that role as point guard is beginning to develop for him. That could make him scary good. John,
2: I'm sure the PR people at Marquette have it all cranked up, but th- this kid is having a first-team All-American season. Uh, really dominating, consistent, consistent scorer. Uh, but when he's averaging six assists, I believe you said six and a yeah. half assists in the week, he's unstoppable. Yeah, unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unstoppable.
1: No all right, you got Alpha Diallo from Providence, 15 and a half points, seven and a half rebounds, three and a half assists. Two and a half steals uh, in a perfect week for the Friars before they fell at Seton Hall on Wednesday. Also improving is his free throw shooting, a 14 for 14 performance in a win over DePaul last weekend. You know, I don't know if it's if it's fair to say where the
2: Friars goes, where Alpha Diallo goes, but Alpha definitely needs some help as we we mentioned a little earlier. Providence is an interesting team because I do think that they have good talent, but it's young talent, and I think Ed Cooley's struggling with finding that consistency that you you know we talk about pretty much every week. And you mentioned two guys.
1: Well, Phil Boone. Booth and Eric Pascal, just a couple of guys from Villanova, were also on the Big East honor roll this week. Uh, Booth, 21 points, 5 assists, 4.5 rebounds in the perfect week for the Wildcats. Pascal 20 points, 6.5 rebounds in that 2.0 week. So, you know, Villanova is well-equipped to go a long way if they apparently so choose with both Booth and Pascal.
2: John, I I understand that if uh, Villanova can win on Sunday at Georgetown, They would start nine and zero, and we haven't had a nine and zero start in the Big East since 2010. Right. So that's a long time ago and really impressive. Because I think we, we talk about it every week. We're ready for Villanova to stub its toe, and it just hasn't happened.
1: No, it hasn't. Well, it's not too early to start thinking about tourney in the 40th season of Big East basketball. And for the 37th consecutive year, the Big East men's basketball tournament presented by Jeep will be played in New York March 13th through 16th at the world's most famous arena. That is Madison Square Garden. You can be there. Don't miss your chance. 97% of all of the available tickets were sold last year. This was the most attended postseason conference tournament in the country. Single-session tickets are now on sale for this year, so go to Ticketmaster.com slash Big East for more information and to buy those tickets. Well, he might not have been a well-known name a couple of years ago, but you can bet the coaches and the players in this league know all about him now. You know, the thing is, no one knew a lot about him within college basketball's Division One either. So his journey began with a stealth-like start. We have him on our radar, however. It's DePaul's Max Struess, and he joins us next This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East
0: Focus. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives, and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention, and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep, and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American Development Model to Prevent Overuse Injuries. Whew. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit ncaa.org slash to learn more. Big East Focus.
1: Max Struess with the ball between the circles for the Demons. A bounce to Kane off the elected three-point territory. Alley-oop underneath. Struess, the masseuse, serving up the facial with the two-handed jam. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Max Struess began his career in Hickory Hills, Illinois, small town of around 14,000 residents on the outlets of Chicago. Uh, he played well in high school. He made third-team all-state, didn't get much notice from big schools, being about three inches shorter and a little bit skinnier than he is right now. But, hey, we were all skinny at one time. Uh, so his college game began at Division II Lewis University, where his brother had once played. Now, the team did pretty well. So did Max. Scored over 1,000 points in just a couple of years to the point where he took a bold step. He transferred to a high-major Division I program, and he found one pretty close by at Paul Struce joins us this week in the Big East. Now, Max, it's really a pretty good story, but can you tell us just when you knew you could take your game into a league like the Big East?
3: Um, I think right after my, my sophomore year was over at Lewis, you know, I had a pretty good year. Our team had a really good year. We ended up winning our conference championship. And just when our season was over, you know, I just looked it over with my family, and uh, I, I just wanted to keep challenging myself, so I thought playing to the next level was the opportunity I wanted and something I always dreamed of, so uh, I decided to challenge myself, take that next step, and, you know, I had a couple of Big East offers, so I just took it as a challenge and rose to it, and now I'm here.
1: Sure, I know that your mother Debbie was a Hall of Fame volleyball player at DePaul. So, is it safe to say maybe that familiarity with the school and the athletic department might have helped you make your decision?
3: Yeah, I would. I would definitely say that had something to do with it. Um, you know, there's a lot of familiarity with it. I grew up. I mean, Jeannie Lency our athletic director, has known me since I was, you know, since I was a, a baby. So <laughs> she helped me when I was a kid. So um, she's been friends with my family for a long time. I've known a lot of people at this program. I grew up going to DePaul games. Um, just because of my mom and who she knows around here. So uh, there's definitely a lot of familiarity with it. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I still chose the program that I believed in and thought that I could make a big difference in and uh, try to change some things around. And uh, the overall fit of this place has been great and everything I could have dreamed of.
2: Max, uh, the pros like to say when they transition from college to professional it, it, it takes them that one maybe stretch of of great success to say, okay, I I can do this. You know, I, I'm a pro. I I can yeah. I can make an impact. Did you have a moment of clarity maybe at to Paul because it is such a big jump from Lewis to the Big East?
3: I don't know if it was at Paul. I think just mainly getting recruited um, throughout that process, and then once I finally stepped foot on campus here, um, I think I was accepted right away, and I I knew I believed in myself that. Uh, I was going to be pretty good at this level, and I knew I, knew I would be alright, so, um, you know, the coaches believed in me, they showed me what they thought I was going to do at this, at, at this institution, and how I could help the program, and then once I got here, the guys just accepted me, and uh, they knew I could play, so um, I kind of just fit right in, and, you know, obviously it took me a little bit to get going last year, uh, a couple games after sitting out a long year, it's, it's tough, but. I think that maybe that Northwestern game we had at home last year really just kind of just helped me, I guess, gain some more confidence into the, the reason that I belong at the Division One level and belong to play in the, in the Big East.
1: Max Struess, senior forward at DePaul, joining us this week in the Big East. So, uh, Max, let's talk about your teammates overall. And when you joined them and started to try to develop that chemistry that you kind of alluded to a moment ago, what was the first thing you noticed about the rest of your teammates that said, hey, I'm not in Kansas anymore, Toto?
3: Yeah, um I mean they just they just accepted me right from the start. Uh, you know guys like Eli Kane and you know Billy Garrett was here when I first got here so um they were they were the guys on the team and you know when I when I walked in the door they accepted me right away and we played a couple open gyms and I go all right this guy can play so he's no joke so uh, I think they just accepted me from the beginning and um you know that was it gave me a good confidence boost in myself and believe in my help me believe in myself and uh made it a little easier transition I would say. Max, can you
2: just take us through the, the kind of relationship that you've had with Coach Lato? Uh, obviously, to come in and be able to make an immediate impact is every player's dream, but it seems as if you've really meshed well with this coaching staff.
3: Yeah. Uh, Coach is a great guy. Um, he's believed in me ever, ever since he recruited me. Um, everything he's told me has has been true to, to the most, highest level. Um, I'm just trying to help him, help the staff build this program up to the, the next level that they're trying to get it to, and get DePaul back on the winning side of things and uh, being talked about in a positive light. And uh, yeah, he's a, he's a great coach, great person, um, and not only basketball. I mean, this in life generally, he gives you great uh, life lessons that you can learn from every day. And uh, he's really there for you uh, when you need him the most. And he's he's a, he's a wonderful person.
1: Max, it's pretty clear to see. I think most people would agree that DePaul is definitely a better basketball team over the last couple of years. And yet toward the end of games it just doesn't quite yeah. get there at the end. And I know you know what I'm talking about. So tell me what you guys are doing right now to try to fix that.
3: Um, you know what, it's it's just the it's a chemistry thing, it's a buy in. Uh, you know, we've we're missing a couple uh things that are just that aren't clicking for us and you know, we're trying every day to figure it out and you know it's not plays it's, it's one rebound here a loose ball there so it's just overall team effort and uh a couple buy-in things that we're just missing right now and i think we're we're conscious of it and we're trying to make that difference and just trying to get that overall buying from everybody and just trying to be more cohesive as a team and i think that'll that'll fix that at the end of games just the tighter bond will help us out in the end of the game and just, you know, hopefully turn those losses into wins.
2: Hey, Max, we ask this uh, of our player interviews pretty much every week. I'm, I'm curious, what is your favorite Big East venue to play in? And <laughs> I'm also curious what your favorite venue to play in was at Lewis, because in all honesty, I know nothing <laughs> about Lewis or your conference. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, I, I, I would say the Madison Square Garden. I mean, I don't think you passed that up. <laughs> Big East. There you There's go. boy. But at Lewis, I mean, uh, it's, it wasn't much to choose from. There, there were a lot of high school-like gyms. Um, it was tough, you know, playing in front of – you're going from playing in front of 200, 300 people to thousands of people now. So it, that was quite the difference. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't even know what a, a gym in, at the Division II level in, in our conference would be like. Maybe uh, Bellarmine University and Louisville, Kentucky was – probably one of the better ones and one of the better programs in the in the division two so that was quite the experience
1: well you guys have a pretty good arena right now in win trust arena and it's yeah. second year since opening up and being a brand new shiny you know piece of jewelry for DePaul university to kind of show and and showcase a little bit what's it like to play in win trust and how do you guys turn that into what you hope will be a decided home court advantage
3: yeah yeah we're working on it you know uh, we're trying to get more people in the seats uh that's obviously been a been a struggle for us, but it's good to have a place that we—it's it's our home now. You know, we don't have to drive 45 minutes out to a different place. You know, we got our own—we got our own gym, our own home. So, uh, I think having that has helped us um, tremendously with our team, and then uh, actually recruiting as well. Just getting more players and getting more people to see the vision of what we're trying to do here. Um, so that the arena is great for us, and uh, you know, we're we're getting more wins in it. We're trying to get as many as we can. Um, and, and then the people, once we get those those wins, the people will start filling in, and then we can get that home corner advantage that, uh, you know, every other team in the Big East has. But uh, we know that you got to win to get there, and you got to win to get people in the seats. So that's what we're trying to do.
2: Max, off the court uh, question a little bit. Uh, you're in Chicago and had two home games this week. Uh, Villanova uh, got by you guys 86 74, and, and I believe that night the temperatures in Chicago were really dangerously low, like minus 20. Uh, yeah. was there much of a crowd Did people come out at all or, or were they all but warned not to come because it was just, you know, dangerous.
3: There was actually a, a decent amount of people. I, um, you know, anytime you play Villanova, there's, there's going to be people that want to come watch. So, uh, and we actually have a, we've had a, a decent amount of home uh, support group this year. So, uh, I was surprised at the amount of people that we had at the game last night, um, there was a quite of a, a, de- a decent turnout, um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the, the temperatures were freezing. I was surprised that a lot of people came out, but we actually had a decent turnout last night.
1: Max, got a final one for you here. and I'm just, you know, uh, like Kevin, a little bit curious about it, but uh, give us the name of a player on your team that you feel like nobody's talking about that they should be talking about.
3: I'd say Devin Gage, uh, our point guard. You know, he doesn't really get too much uh, love from anybody, but uh, he stepped into a role that, he, he wanted and asked for and you know, unfortunately he had a torn Achilles last year so he had to sit out but uh he's made a great he's made great strides in his game this year and his leadership as a point guard and I think he's he's been his his play has improved uh every game this year and he's getting better with everybody and uh learning how to be that point guard. You know, he was more of a scorer in high school so I think he's, you know, taking that out of his game a little bit to try to get other guys involved first and I think we're all all of us are still working on our game individually but he's been Uh, keeping us together as a team, and I've been really happy and proud of how Devin's been playing this year.
1: That's DePaul's Max Struess. He's just one of a group of experienced standouts in a conference that is clearly setting itself up for continued success over the next few seasons, what with so many younger standouts now beginning to emerge. So the Big East is set for talent. Now the team simply need to win. They have a home to showcase themselves in the postseason for a very long time to come, too. And we'll discuss that with Senior Associate Commissioner Stu Jackson next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. At
0: Creighton University, our academic programs are recognized nationally for excellence and innovation. Creighton's outstanding undergraduate research opportunities, internships, and clinicals provide students with a chance to explore, create, and discover new knowledge with business, law, health care, and multiple degree options in the arts and sciences, you will leave Creighton ready to begin your career. And our students form a passionate community ready to contribute something meaningful to the world while in college and after graduation. Visit creighton.edu to learn more about the Creighton experience. National Perspective.
1: Who's going to throw it to Pascal pump fakes,
2: goes up. Layup's good, and that's probably the dagger here in Omaha as Villanova now with an impressive big-time lead. And one opportunity for Pascal.
1: Big-time scorers coming to play. Young players beginning to make some names for themselves and becoming an opposing coach's nightmare. And the Big East has a renewal and extension in hand to continue showcasing the best conference tournament in America. Stu Jackson is the Big East Senior Associate Commissioner, former coach, of course, in this league as well. He joins us this week in the Big East. Stu, let's start with the Big East extension with Madison Square Garden. It happened a couple of months ago, uh, keeping the postseason tournament right inside the world's most famous arena. Did anyone believe there was a real threat from another league somewhere to poach your territory?
5: Well, in our minds, we didn't think there was a real threat uh, just simply because having the Big East tournament in Madison Square Garden uh, makes a lot of sense, and it's made great sense for 36 years, and now we have an opportunity to be back at Madison Square Garden for another 10. And, you know, to me, the tournament being at the Garden is sort of like peanut butter and jelly. They're inseparable. And while certainly other teams or other conferences uh, I'm sure would want to be uh, as part of the Garden experience for their own tournaments, uh, the exclusive arrangement between the Garden and the Big East just made a lot of sense to continue. There have been so many great games so many great memories, iconic sports moments, uh, through in that tournament throughout the years. That uh, I think both parties, the Garden and ourselves, felt strongly it should continue.
2: Uh, Stu, just to follow up on that. Uh, I, I think when the uh, conference reformed, it's been five tournaments there now. I think people had concerns about attendance, and say you know an odd matchup came through in, in the finals. That really hasn't happened yet, and I understand last year. Your average attendance was more than any other conference in the country. Uh, can you just speak to that a little bit?
5: Well, well, yes. Uh, and listen, if we're honest with ourselves, when we began the reconfigured uh, conference, no one really knew, um, you know, how it would go and how successful that you know the conference has proven to be. Uh, but certainly, one indicator of that is the success of the tournament. And last year, as you alluded to. Uh, we had our best attendance of the past five seasons. We had sold-out crowds Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, that same old compelling atmosphere that you only get at Madison Square Garden for a Big East tournament where the electricity is so high that you can cut it with a knife. And that's really special. It's a special moment and a special time, uh, but it's a sure an indicator of just you know how far the league has come in a very short time and listen, I, you know, if we get a matchup in the final uh, that's not, you know, the iconic brand matchups uh, that we've seen over the past few decades in the Garden, I still truly believe that fans uh, will be compelled to turn in uh, on their televisions and to attend those games because it's just great basketball
1: always pretty good theater in the dark, in the garden, no question about that. And to that point, what's your impression of the play in the league thus far, where maybe the talent in this league isn't quite as mature as it has been maybe in the last couple of years, but I think it's pretty clear to see. We've got some dynamite players in this league, and I know I saw you earlier this week when uh, Miles Powell lit up Providence for 31.
5: Yeah, you know, sometimes your biggest negative can be one of your biggest positives, and going into this season, uh, the numbers are what they are. We came back our team's on average with uh, 2.2 starters for each team. That spells a lot of inexperience. That spells youth. And you compare that to a conference like the Big Ten, who returned almost four starters on average per team. Wow. And, you know, arguably they're the best conference in the country this year. So that's the bad news. The good news is is that, you know, the talent, the influx of young talent we've had in our conference is You know, high-level, high-quality talent that is continuing to get better uh, with each passing game. And as you look down, you know, towards the future at our teams next year, boy, it's really going to be just even more outstanding than it is this year. When you talk about, you know, Seton Hall, uh, Marquette, uh, Georgetown, Creighton, you know, Providence, all returning uh, the bulk of their rosters uh, it's just going to be an exciting time in Big East basketball. But this season, you know what we've seen on the floor is the development of some young talent that has been really fun to watch.
2: Stu, I think we all know that Jay Wright is one of the very best coaches in our game, and has proven it. But boy, the job he's doing this year probably <laughs> cements. A, not that there's, there's any doubters about Jay Wright, but uh, really, Villanova was struggling early, uh, grew, has grown so well. And is off to a almost unheralded start. They have a chance to be the first nine and and0 team in in eighteen years. Uh, I'm sorry, in eight years, eight seasons. Can you just speak to um, to how the Wildcats are playing?
5: Yeah, I don't know what more we can say about Jay Wright. Uh, you know, <laughs> I had an opportunity to you know watch their games, uh, you know, the early in the season against Michigan and against Furman, and by all indications. What we believe to be true entering into the season was true. That when you lose four starters uh, to the NBA, it's almost as if you know filling that void is an impossible task. But somehow here we are, almost halfway through the Big East season. They're undefeated, and it's the same thing on a different day in a different year. Villanova's is atop the the Big East, playing you know some of the best basketball in the conference aside from Marquette. And they look to be uh, yet another strong team and a strong tournament team. And uh, uh, I don't know what more we can say about the job that he does year in year
1: out. do you mentioned um, uh, the Big Ten as well a little bit earlier, and knowing that you coached in the Big Ten for a spell as well, I'm wondering, you know, does it sometimes help or hurt a conference's stature in any given year, in your estimation, when you have to compare them to an obvious top dog? And by that, I mean, we've already talked about how this league has got talent in it, but it's younger. And of course, the Big Ten is really a little bit more established with more starters per team overall. Is it good to be compared or not so good? Should it try to stand on its own?
5: No, I think I think the Big East has always stood on its own. I mean, historically, the past four seasons, if you look at all the metrics, uh, the Big East conference has been, you know, the second through fourth best conference in America, uh, and and that's what all the metrics say. And, and listen, understand this: it was not too long ago that the Big Ten conference went through a transition year like we're going through this year. I mean, I you know, we can't have short memories. I mean, three years ago, I think it was three seasons ago, everybody was complaining about Big Ten basketball, and they didn't have quality teams It's because they were young. They were inexperienced. So fast forward, here we are today, and, yes, they are right now, competitively seem to be the best conference in the country. But you know what? I, I That's okay because the Big East next year and the year after, they're going to be talking about us in the same vein and this sort of transition year where we're developing all this great young talent will be a distant memory.
2: I also think in college basketball uh, today with so many young players, so many great one and done players that you have teams like a Villanova, like a Kentucky, I think Kentucky has come out of the blue in the last month or so uh, and, and is now a top 10 team. Well, that's because they're playing all freshmen and they get better as the year goes on. And I think you have quite a few teams in your league right now that are clearly on an upward trajectory, whether they can do enough to get into the NCAA tournament remains to be seen. But, you know, I wouldn't want to play St. John's in an NCAA tournament game. I wouldn't want to see, uh, you know, Seton Hall, if if they happen to show up with Miles Powell on the other side. So I I think you have quite a few teams on that that platform.
5: Yeah, there's no question, and uh, you bring up a good point. Uh, I think St. John's is one of the most unique uh, collegiate teams in America. And arguably, you know, they're starting five or as talented as any starting five in America. And their style of play that Chris Mullen has them playing, which is, you know, a, a vicious switching defense, um, the ability to get stops, to get out on the fast break, and showcase their athletic ability, sometimes on some nights can be really devastating. So I wouldn't want to play them. I mean, you look at what Villanova's doing. Marquette. As one of the most exciting and best uh, players in the country, in Marcus Howard, uh, and as does Seton Hall. I, I mean, you, you, you look at a Miles Powell, you look at a Mark, Marcus Howard, and these are two players that are just spectacular, exciting players to watch, aside from being extremely talented and being able to shoot the ball from long distance. So there's a lot to like about our teams. Um, you know we look forward to you know going into the tournament tournament and hoping hoping that one or a couple of our teams go for a deep run because I do believe we're capable.
1: Thanks, Stu. That's Stu Jackson, Big East Senior Associate Commissioner. Who's got next? The big games coming up on the schedule and just where are these marquee matchups going to be held? We'll give it to you next this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next
0: this week in the Big East? To walk these classrooms, these fields. These courts is to walk in the footsteps of legends. Villanovans who have built a legacy of success, both in and out of the classroom. Bound by tradition, humility, and our commitment to each other, we are stronger together. We are fearless, relentlessly pushing ourselves to victory. We believe in Nova Nation and give ourselves to it totally, even when no one is looking. We are Villanova, and each of us strengthens all of us. Who's got next?
1: Tucker with 10 on the shot clock, steps back. Crosses over, steps
0: back. God! Oh, that was nasty
1: from Johnny Tucker. John Rook, Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East, previewing the next week's schedule. Saturday, Seton Hall goes to Butler. Providence is at DePaul. Maybe survival games, Kevin McNamara,
2: while St. John's has the big intersectional battle with the Duke Blue Devils. Very intrigued by the St. John's visit to Duke. Uh, That series has not gone traditional. Uh, Usually when Duke comes in uh, way up on the poles, St. John's takes them down. And then they go down to Duke, and St. John's oftentimes does what most teams do when they go to Duke. They get knocked around. So we'll see. Sunday, Georgetown gets
1: the crack at Villanova's win streak. Xavier plays at Creighton in another battle maybe to just keep some
2: heads above water. Well, I'm curious about Villanova, actually. You know, uh, Georgetown... Uh, with with two home games in a row, they play at Wells Fargo, and then we'll go back up on campus and play Creighton. You know, John, they they, they could be ten and zero, and, and just getting into the end, which again, no one saw at the start of this season. Well, Tuesday may be the premier game in the
1: entire uh, week, uh, maybe even for the first half of the season. You have Saint John's going to Marquette to test both teams Wednesday, then you have Georgetown at Providence. Creighton goes to Villanova, but
2: that Tuesday game's caught my eyeballs. No question. Uh, Mar- Marquette has really been s- pretty much the most consistent team in the league outside of uh, undefeated Villanova, and they lost uh, to St. John's. That's the only, only loss that Marquette has taken. They get knocked around pretty good on campus uh, in, in Queens, and now they get to host them. All right, this week's Twitter question hashtag TWITBE
1: comes from at Oliver nissi 3 who asks with Villanova and Marquette as the elite teams in the Big East this season there are only teams or they are the only teams with a record above 500. What other school in the conference is most likely to
2: finish the season with a record above 500 in league play? Well there better be more than one, John, if the Big East wants to get their you know five, six teams in the tournament. Right now, we don't see five, six teams in the running, but I do think that that's going to, you know, it'll shake itself out as the rest of the year goes on. But to answer the question, I have a hard time believing St. John's can't be above 500 in uh, the Big East the rest of the way. All right. Don't forget, if you're
1: still looking for more Big East hoop news, you can always tune in each week live with Big East Shoot Around. It's available on the Big East Facebook page, at Big East on Twitter, and the Fox Sports Go app. Shoot Around featuring coaches and player interviews from around the league almost every week. So send your questions, maybe your hot takes as well, against uh, social media, and you'll be featured on the show. Our thanks this week to Providence's Ed Cooley, DePaul's Max Struess, and Big East Senior Associate Commissioner Stu Jackson for joining us. Thanks also go out to the flagship stations at Providence, DePaul, and Creighton for their help in providing some of the sound that brings us all a bit closer to these big moments in these games. Our thanks as well to Chicago's WSCR, 670 The Score, for assistance in production this week as, as well. Matt Morrell, who's our associate producer. Thanks to our producer, Kevin Collins, and of course to all of the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave that review on iTunes. Hit us up on Twitter. We'll be back same time next week for This Week in the Big East.
0: Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the
2: Big East.